Welcome to the Beginner Audiophile Show, where we bridge the gap between the clueless big box stores and the snobby stereo shops. Every show is filled with gear reviews, commentary, and interviews aimed to find out what makes a real-world difference in your listening experience, how to get the most bang for your buck, and frankly, how to begin experiencing your music in the way it was intended. And now, your co-hosts, Harris Fogel and Michael O'Neill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beginner Audiophile, finally. And uh, first and foremost, Michael here. Um, I'm sort of solo for half the show. I'll explain that in a minute. I have to apologize. Uh, Thank you for your many, many, many messages asking if this is still a thing. It is definitely still a thing. Beginner Audiophile is not going anywhere. However, I have gone somewhere. I am in Australia, and I've been here since November 1st, and um, I didn't anticipate how difficult it would be to A, stop moving, uh, A, B, connect with Harris on the other side of the planet, and C, stop long enough and find a good enough internet connection to be able to upload a podcast. So I apologize all the way around. Um, it has been, uh, it, all of those things have been a huge challenge. Um, not only that, but I haven't had a ton of audio content because I've been in full travel mode for the month. I had a speaking gig, uh, oddly about podcasting in Brisbane, Australia at the beginning of the month. And, um, I decided since I was already on the other side of the planet that I would, uh, explore and be a tourist for a few weeks. So that's what I'm doing. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have another show. My main bread and butter, if you will, um, is a show called The Solopreneur Hour, which is for entrepreneurs. And I interview actors and comedians and entrepreneurs and authors and take really a snapshot of how they got to be successful. And it's called The Solopreneur Hour. You can look it up on a podcast app near you. Anyway, um, I wanted to do a follow-up show, including an interview I had with Steve Gutenberg from CNET, who arguably, I want to say he's, inter- he's uh, reviewed over 20,000 products in all of his years, but the huge bummer is the file got corrupted, and I didn't get a chance to air the show, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I was in Australia, <laughs> excuse me, I was in Australia, and I just couldn't do it. So here's what you can expect from this episode. I have a few Q&A questions that I'm going to answer. And then I'm actually going to share with you a, um, a segment that Harris did separately about the New York audio show. And, um, and then he also recorded something else that we might use in a future episode as well. But um, I want to like make a really cool show for you guys and just get it out there and get some content in your earballs. Um, one thing I would love for you to do when you hear this I would love to find out if you email us at um, beginneraudiophile at gmail.com. Let us know what you got on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Did you get any cool pieces of audio gear? Um, And what are you using? What should we review? What should we check out? The other thing I want to say is many of these questions... Actually, I'll get into that when I do the questions, actually. Um, One thing I do want to say is that my favorite part of the Steve Gutenberg interview was about basic audio concept. And 
I love the way he explained this, and I'm going to do my best to not completely butcher this, but I probably will anyway. I want you to think of your room, the room that you're listening to your audio on. Think of it as a pool, right? So there's no furniture in it, and it's a swimming pool. And then in the middle of that pool, or rather you have a rock in your hand, and you throw that rock where your speakers, let's say you have two rocks, and you throw them simultaneously, and they land exactly where your speakers are in that room. Think of how the waves emanate from those two rocks splashing in the water. The first, the primary waves, which go right when you throw the rock in and it splashes, and then those waves go out. And then I want you to think of the secondary waves, where they actually bounce off the walls or the edges of the pool and then come back to you. So that's a way for you to think about how audio travels in your room and think about the first order reflections. And it, I think it's helpful to understand how that audio travels. Now, not all audio is created equal, whereas uh, the highs that we listen to are uh, very directional, which means that we have to typically toe in or aim our tweeters where our ears are versus the bass notes, which are omnidirectional, which will go in any direction whatsoever. So when you think about um, splashing that, that rock in there, and you think about like how your subwoofer works, that is very accurate. If you have one subwoofer in a room and you throw a rock into that room and then the sound starts bouncing off just like waves would or ripples in the water off the walls, that's what we have to deal with as a, um, as a listener. What's kind of cool is when we had the SVS guys on, which are, uh, you know, we call them the subwoofer company, even though they make amazing speakers and other things, um, putting two subwoofers in a room really eliminates, it really fills that room with, uh, with, without any big bass bumps. So I'm, I will probably get Steve Gutenberg back on the show to talk about this very thing. So I apologize. Maybe that'll happen at CES this year. And I don't know if you guys are planning on going to CES. Uh, I'm just written to Harris to find out if he is. I am definitely going to be there. So if you guys are going to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, it's in Vegas. It's at the beginning of January. Uh, we want to do a meetup with you. So we'll do a, uh, you know, right now it's as of, uh, it's unannounced. The details are unannounced. But if you do want to do a meetup in January in Vegas, uh, drop me a line as well. Um, in fact, hit the, uh, hit the contact form at beginneraudiofile.com. Just go to beginneraudiofile.com, hit the contact, and write me. Um, actually, that's probably better than doing beginneraudiofile at Gmail because then I have a, an, a record of it. So um, fire that thing. And uh, I think we're, you know, we're, we're, we'd love to meet up and hang out and have some drinks and talk about some audio and that kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer just a few questions that I've gotten over the Q&A. And then I'm going to kick it off to Harris's review of the New York Audio Show. Okay. So first and foremost, the um, Adam, Adam says, um, hey, uh, what are your thoughts on investing in a CD player? Can I achieve as good of a sound rippling, ripping lossless files? I'm currently running a Mac Mini with uh, Otervana into Marantz, uh HD DAC to a Rogue Sphinx. So I don't know if I'm an outlier here, 
But what I'm telling you, Adam, is absolutely you do not have to buy a CD player. I think you can get at least an, an imperceptible audio quality from doing what you're doing, and it's way, <coughs> excuse me, way more convenient. Audirvana, uh, over, this is over iTunes, you guys. So iTunes can't really, um, it doesn't want to rip lossless. They have, it does, they'll, they have their thing called ALAC, which is like a FLAC file, but it's Apple's version of it, which is sort of, you know, everything's proprietary. Um, don't love it. So what I recommend is using, um, is, is ripping to FLAC using any number of, uh, of applications out there. In fact, I'm not even sure, but maybe Audirvana could do that as well. I think it does actually. And then you use the Audirvana uh, player, you know, you have the, the, the app on your computer and it could be Mac or PC, and you can put the app on your phone, which is really cool. So you can remote control the Audirvana and combining that with, um, it'll, it'll stream Tidal as well, which is really cool. And combining that, if you're on a Mac, you can use um, Airfoil. If you've, I don't know if you guys have seen that or heard it, but you can use Airfoil or you can use Rune. Airfoil doesn't require any additional software. It's like 29 bucks or something. And you can control it with your phone and set up hotspots wherever you have some sort of airport or Mac device. So if you have like a um, airport extreme or you have a, you know, a Mac mini in one room and an iMac in the other room and you've got uh, Wi-Fi enabled speakers or, and or Bluetooth enabled speakers. And I haven't tr tested this out yet and I will on a future episode, but it's supposed to be able to connect to all of those things at once, which is really cool. And then you walk around your house during your party, you can have your Bluetooth playing the same stuff. You can have all your, your uh, so I like at my house, I can have my Marantz home theater playing something. I can have my Airport Express enabled uh, uh, kitchen system also playing the same thing. I can have my Mac Mini in my office playing the same thing. I can have a uh, PS Audio Sprout connected via Bluetooth or, and or my um, uh, Rialto 600 that it's also like a, a, a Bluetooth or uh, airport, all playing the same stuff. And my only complaint about it right now is that there's a little bit of a delay. So I would like some time alignment options where I can, um, I can move the, 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 you know, one of the sets of speakers back as much as I want, like a millisecond kind of delay so I can sync them all up at the same time. Um, I haven't played with it enough. It's something I've just started experimenting with. But um, I will do a future episode on that because it's like, I think it's 29 bucks and you get this great full house system, which is cool. Um, but dude, you're all set, Adam. You can do whatever you want with that setup. Um, Mac Mini, rip to flack, high res. You've got the uh, Marantz HD DAC into a Rogue Sphinx. All set, dude. You are ready to rock. Would love to find out what your speakers are as well. Um, Trevor Hopkins says, hey, what's your opinion of solid state versus tube amps? Um, an overarching question is the purpose of quality gear always to is the purpose of quality gear always to give the most transparent or purest representation of the recording itself. So that's what they say. I mean, you know, they say the furthest, the further you go down on the, or rather up down the rabbit hole, up the money hole, um, which sounds dirtier than I meant it to be. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I, the idea, I think, of being an audiophile is to hear what the sound engineer heard in the engineering room. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I want to hear what gives me and my heart the most impact. And that is a, it's a taste idea. Uh, my buddy Matt Rockwell, who we will definitely interview on this show at some point, has that the former idea, which is he wants to hear what the sound engineer heard. And, you know, remember that a sound engineer oftentimes is listening from a, a million-dollar mixing console. You know, it's like two or three million dollars worth of gear that they're listening to. So that, that we try to recreate it with a few hundred or a few thousand dollars worth of gear and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear is, is its own animal. What I want to do is I want to feel it in my chest. I want to be moved emotionally. I want to experience the music. That's what Beginner Audiophile is all about, is how, how, can, how can we help you experience the music like the musician intended it and not the sound engineer per se, okay? So I think the further you go up the food chain, the more transparent the signal gets and the more transparent the music gets. Now that is transparent to the recording process. And as a guy who's recorded, I don't know, 20 albums, I'm a you know studio drummer, um, I can tell you that, the that what you hear in the, in the mixing room of a studio isn't necessarily the most impactful version of that music. When I hear it out of speakers, which are tuned a certain way or gear that's tuned a certain way, it sounds way more full and impactful that way than it did in the recording room, in the mixing room. So my personal philosophy is I'd rather hear it with some impact versus clean and natural and flat, which is what a, a studio is attempting to get. A studio is attempting not to color the music in any way, shape or form. But if you saw a live performance through a Marshall stack and you saw, you know, you feel the energy in the room, it's, you feel that, you know, 20 subwoofers under the stage pounding you in the chest. That's more of what I prefer, especially being a drummer. I want to feel the kick drum in my chest. So when I took my, uh, you, you guys missed this whole thing because it got blanked out, but um, I didn't get a full chance to do a full review of the Denver audio show. But I, I may have mentioned my friend who was a complete newbie to this whole world. And we went to a $250,000 room, then a $350,000 room that was amazing. And the, the material and the, uh, the speakers were gorgeous. Everything was amazing. And she said, oh, that's cool. And then we went to the room that had Peachtree Audio and Zoo Audio speakers. Peachtree, $2,500 integrated amp. Zoo Audio speakers that were about 10K for the pair which were in pretty basic looking um, with a little, a little sub, maybe, maybe two subs on the very outside tuned to like 20 Hertz. So you couldn't, you felt them, but you didn't really hear them blew me out of the water. It was a, a system that was less than 20 grand that kicked the shit out of me. And I was like that all day long. I will take that. I will take that a hundred times out of a hundred times. In fact, if I had the same amount of money, which is about 20 grand, 
and I had like if I had two hundred fifty thousand dollars like that previous room cost, and I was like I have to spend two hundred fifty grand, I would buy ten sets of that other system and give them to my friends and say this is time to experience music again. Merry Christmas. Ten times out of ten, I would do that. So for me, it's about. And that's really, you know, this is my show and this is the concept of the show is I want you to experience music the way I would intend it being a drummer and you're at my show. So if, if I'm tainting the experience for you guys, then so be it. But I want you to feel this thing in a way that you go, holy shit, I've never heard that tambourine before or I've never felt this thing sound this way. And it's the kind of thing that you sit down and your friends go, whoa. That's amazing. That's what this show is about. So I hope that helps. Um, Jack Hyde says, hey, man, still loving the One More USA headphones that I won. Huge fans of those. In fact, I've got a pair of the triple drivers in my ears right now. They have been my go-to uh, in Australia. It's all I've used in my ears uh, the whole entire time. So what I brought was a, uh, I bought these, I brought these, and I brought the, uh, AudioQuest Dragonfly inline DAC, and if I want to get some music cranked in my ears, that's what I've been listening to. I also brought the quads. They are here as well. Um, I don't know if I had to put it this way. I haven't done a lot of back-to-back -back testing between the two, but bang for the buck-wise, I don't think anything beats the One More USA triple driver, which were voted the number one earbud in front of everybody else's earbuds by Consumer Reports. So uh, I don't get commission on them. They don't sponsor the show. But if you want some great earbuds, they're 100 bucks. The unboxing is amazing, and you should totally rock them. Anyway, he says, just wondering everyone's thoughts on, the Sunfire, on using a Sunfire Ultimate receiver as a power amp. I picked up a broken one for very cheap and can get it fixed for roughly 400 bucks. Since it's $200 times 7, wa seven watts, wait, Seven times 200 watts. How would it stack up against an Emotiva or Monolith 200X? Those are about 1500 bucks new. My brother and I are going to uh, Expona 2018, and we are pumped. So, um, if the <sighs> here's the thing, you guys. This is kind of a twofold. Number one, we're beginner audiophile. So, I'm still, I'm still early in this journey and I try to report everything that I experience as I go through hearing all this new gear that I've never heard before. The, 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 the flip side of that is I haven't heard everything and I have no idea. This whole thing is an experiment of gear. I try to, I get stuff and I plug it into everything I own and see if I can hear a difference. Uh, one cool thing we're probably going to do with, um, well, unnamed company as of now, but they're going to send me like a, a, a a preamp, and then three of their amps from the, the lowest power to the highest power, and I'm going to go through the same pair of speakers, and I'm going to plug them all in and see if I can hear a difference. So I'm going to be your crash test dummy for audio, but that also means that I haven't tested everything. I don't know every variation of everything. Everything's an experiment. So granted, um, this thing could cost you 400 bucks, but what I will say is, that means that you're going to have a seven-channel amp that's good to go. And if you wanted to, you could go bang on a killer Marantz 
home theater preamp and get a monster seven channel system out of the deal. Even if you don't like it for pure audio listening, it's going to kill for home theater. So I would, and, and, and let's say it, you don't want to use it. You could sell it on Craigslist for 600 bucks and someone gets this monster seven channel amp for exactly what you paid for it. And you know, and Bob's your uncle. So that's what I would do. Uh, try it. Please experiment. Try bridging it. See if it makes a difference. Try, you know, try any variant of it and report back because that's all we're doing is we are trying new things and trying to share them with you. So, you know, a lot of your gear questions, I can't answer unless I've used them because I don't want to give you false information. But what I can tell you is amps are really fun to play with. <laughs> and uh, and it's cool to to try one and hear how much different and or better your speakers are like, you know, what, from what I've heard, I haven't tested them yet, but the, um, the Kef LS fifties are complete power hogs. They sound amazing, but you need to drive those things with some power. Um, wait, where did somebody ask me? Oh yeah. I forgot about Trevor, Trevor Hopkins said, uh, solid state versus tube amps, uh, tubes, you know, suck a lot of power and they're very warm and solid state can, can suffer from what we call digititis. So they can sound very digital. Now, some of the new class D amps or the combo amps, which have these, it's like class A for a while, then it switches over to class D or switches over to tube. There's a lot of hybrid stuff coming out now. Um, I've never listened and compared them, but I think it's one of those things where, you know, you hear a record player like with a, or a, uh, uh, like a, a record player with a Macintosh tube amp holy you want to punch a dog it sounds so good they are amazing sounding there's a convenience factor like it seems like the the best possible version of listening to music right now is still like a, a, a record player a great turntable plugged into this great preamp that's a tube preamp plugged into a nice amplifier plugged into a pair of speakers it sounds amazing However, I've sound I've heard all of the other versions sound amazing. And I think that if you get um if you're able to get your hands on uh, a nice tube amp and plug it in, it just might be something you say, look, this experience for me is the way that I want to hear music. And if you fall in love with that sort of record player then tube amp sound, then your quest might be, all right, I want the convenience factor, so I'm going to start ripping flack files, but I might need to up my gear and, and my digital to audio converter, my DAC, just to try to experience that music in the same way that it sounds like to get a nice tube amp under it. The problem with that is those things can get hella expensive to recreate the tube amp experience with a digital amp, which is why people spend so much money on some of this gear. But I'll tell you, man, my brother had a turntable that he bought, this Techniques USB turntable that he bought on Amazon for 200 bucks. He had it plugged into this little Onkyo two-channel receiver and a, a, a cheap pair of speakers. Um, I forget what they were called. With a little Polk audio sub, the whole thing was probably 500 bucks. I was like, damn, this thing, he was playing this old Jean-Luc Ponty album. Holy shit, it sounded good. It sounded so good. And I was like, man, there's something to that. And there's something romantic about that turntable thing, but 
I haven't properly, I don't have enough albums personally to be able to test it all yet. And that's part of my journey now is getting a little collection of great testable uh, albums. So you might fall in love with Tube, dude. And again, it's all about the experiment. Um, okay. Al says, hey, just found your podcast, really enjoying it. Looking at putting together an office system with electronics and a bookshelf. Any thoughts between the PS Audio Sprout and NAD, uh, NAD D3020? Now, I have not seen nor heard the NAD. Let me look it up really quick and see what we're looking at. I've really enjoyed the Sprout, although I will tell you, wait for the Sprout 2. Um, they are going to give you a lot of the things that you want. I've, I've just heard it. And at the Denver show, you get an LED, you get a few more features, and I want to say you get another, you get a little power bump. So this NAD looks pretty good. Uh, best stereo amp up to uh, awards 2013. So I'll bet you that there's a newer version of this NAD. And let's see, PS Audio Sprout. And I want to see if there's a two out already, or maybe it comes out in, at CES. But mm, 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 mm. so my answer is, I love it. It's going to come with a few things that people really loved it, uh, really, really appreciated. And they actually had a kit that came with a pair of the ELAC uh, debut B6, which is the thing I had. Sounded amazing. I did feel like it was slightly power starved, if I'm being honest, but I, I'm almost positive that they rectified that with the new version of the PS Audio Sprout. And again, I think it's unannounced. So I would hang on to your wallet for a second. And that new one, again, right now, it's, um, I'm recording this at the end of November. So much new stuff is going to come out for CES next year. So I would say that at the moment, hang on to your, if it's, you know, if you need something that has technology, which is probably like a preamp or a home theater receiver or a little integrated amp, I would say hang on for a second or anything to do with like a, a Sonos or a Rune enabled system. I would say hang on. If it's, an, if it's an amplifier, like literally just an amp, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If it's a pair of speakers, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, but like in terms of electronics, you might hang out uh, until the next, the next version. Okay, so I hope that helps. Um, Charles says, hey man, I know speaker design has evolved since the early days, but what about full range uh, single drive versus multiple drives and crossover speakers nowadays? Um, could this apply to vintage full range horn versus multiple drive speakers? So here's what's crazy, Charles, is that I, I could literally, just coming back off the Denver Audio Show, which was phenomenal, I could show you versions of everything you just said, which would blow your socks off. So I do think some of the companies that are doing really interesting things like ELAC, Andrew Jones's new, new uh, uh, Adante speakers are, are stupid. They are stupid sounding for $2,500. You cannot believe how good those things sound. World class for 2,500 bucks. Now, Granted, he's got some pretty bitchin' electronics running those things. So I've never heard them in a test with different gear, and I've not seen any tests come out yet. But there has been huge advantages. In, in advantages are, are uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Huge, let's say innovation 
in speaker technology. Between the KEF LS50, which is exactly, it's essentially a coaxial driver. You've got a tweeter in the middle. You've got a mid slash bass uh, around it, and that's it. You've got a single driver, which looks gorgeous. The Zoo Audio speakers I heard, and let me tell you which ones I heard. I'm pretty sure they didn't have a tweeter in them. I think they were just single drivers as well. I could be completely and utterly lying to you. They were um, products. Let's look at products. I know you guys want to hear me clicking on websites. The ones I heard were, I think, the Druid Mark IV. And, yeah, so they have like a, uh, what have we got? What are we looking at here? Floor standing. It's got a footprint. It's a full range driver at the top. And then they have a little tweeter underneath it, but it, it wasn't like stacked full of full of drivers. And they were they were effing phenomenal. They're about ten grand, by the way. This isn't you know I'm not giving you uh this isn't a, this isn't a beginner audio product. However, they do have um I want to say the, the was it the definition? There was another set of speakers there that were about a grand that they're gonna uh, send me to test. And they sounded amazing too. So the, the, the answer to your question is there's no better right now. Um, I, and I would wager that some of the speakers you heard that were like your dad's when you grew up and it was like 1985 and you were listening to this old Marantz, you know, silver receiver with a record player with your Bananarama album or, you know, whatever you listen to. Probably sounded great by today's standards. I mean, really probably sounded awesome because those speakers, remember the big old JBLs, big woofers? They were just awesome. And, and what has happened is they managed to compact the speakers and put some, you know, higher-end components in it. But there's a huge portion of the audio industry that loves paper cones, old-school paper cones, you know, because you got to think it's in the 60s and 70s. They just did what sounded good. They, they optimize that. So it's if you feel like that is your sound, I, again, it's sort of this full experiment. I think where things really got interesting was in the tweeter and mid-range uh, department, where, where things really got interesting and sharp and able to reproduce these way higher, uh, higher notes. So your mileage may vary. So uh, I believe, whoop, hold on. Okay, the other, the other 19 questions I got is, hey, I really enjoyed the show. Are there going to be any more? So yes is the answer. And I thank you guys that that is going to do it. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for my questions. And uh, with this, I'm going to kick it off to Harris, who is at the New York Audio Show. And he's going to give us a little report on the gear and some of the music and uh, all of the above. What I wanted to talk about today is... The audio show. So the audio show, such as the New York audio show, or the Rocky Mountain audio show, or the Los Angeles audio show, all have a few things in common. If you've never been to one, it's rather astounding. So the New York audio show, which I just attended a week or two ago at the Park Lane Hotel overlooking Central Park, was kind of typical. It had three floors, about each floor about one-third filled with people who rented hotel suites and set up equipment. The equipment 
they set up ranged from just cables and connectors to my favorite in terms of being outlandish, a $238,000 system that consisted of two speakers, cables, and two electronic components. And the speakers weighed one ton each. Not kidding you. That was what the manufacturer, the a gentleman who created all of the components, all the cables, all the speakers. You know, when you see something like that, kind of say it's definitely a cult-like fringe. <laughs> Did it sound good? It sounded great. But, you know, to be honest with you, it's virtually impossible to hear any of those systems there because the way we need to listen to audio is much like the way we need to savor a fine piece of art or a photograph, which means quietly with reflection. And for me, you know, to illustrate, about 25 years ago, I had a friend who was a curator at the Musée d'Orsay in Paris, and the museum was closed, and she said, hey, I can arrange for a pass, and you can just wander the museum. I said, great. So I had this nifty little pass, little tag, and I could sit on the floor just looking at a Cezanne or a Matisse. I didn't, didn't have to jostle. I didn't have to walk around. And what was funny is I kind of like realized that I was viewing them the way that you might view them in your home. After a while, being there alone, sitting there quietly looking really made a difference in how I started to understand that work. The same thing goes with audio equipment. I've tested, and I'm sure you have too, speakers or components in a store or in another setting, and you get one conclusion to it, but the conclusion is different than the conclusion you might get from waking up and putting on a pair of headphones and going, hmm, these sound pretty good, or they're not so good, or my initial enthusiasm was misplaced. So one of the problems of these shows is that you're in a very hectic environment. The cool thing about it, though, is that you get to see stuff you'd never see. You get to see components you've never heard of and components you could never afford, but also components and pieces of equipment that are affordable. So there is a wonderful sense of discovery to see the ingenuity that a lot of small companies plow into this field. But one of the best things that happens at these shows is that you get turned on to some fantastic music that you'd never heard before. I've been turned on to some of my favorite music. I remember I was at a show in New York about eight years ago, and they had a little suite, and they played this wonderful, wonderful set of tracks, and it turns out it's David Grisman and Jerry Garcia, kind of a legendary release called The Pizza Tapes, which you can get on CD or you can get in high-res. I recommend the high-res. Sounds fantastic. And uh, by the way, the story goes is that David Grisman would hang out at Jerry Garcia's house and come visit, and they'd play music. And, um, and one day, these kind of bootlegs started circulating of the two of them playing music, and nobody could figure it out till they figured out that they had left a rough mix cassette on the table, and they'd had pizza delivered. And the theory was, the pizza delivery guy saw a tape, swiped it, that became the bootleg. And so years and years later, they remastered it from the original tapes, and it sounds great. But I would never have heard that had it not been for sitting down over drinks and listening to a speaker system. So these shows are really a lot of fun. They're great networking. There's a nice sense of community. 
And there's a spectacle to some of the things you see. For example, when we were at the LA Audio Show and they're showing off a system with $53,000 speaker cables feeding $50,000 Wilson speakers, well, (laughs) there's kind of an absurd level there. Although, you know, it sounded amazing. It sounded just fantastic. So one of the things about these shows is, if you've not been to one, is at first people have to rent you know, the rooms, basically. And um, and then the hotel staff moves virtually everything out of the rooms. If you go to a consumer electronics show, there might be a couple of pieces of furniture left, but the bulk of them are just emptied. So then you have a room with generally a large glass window. So that's very reflective. So people will draw the drapes or not draw the drapes. Some of the more elaborate installations, people will bring sound panels to absorb sound and change the feel of the room acoustically. And as you can imagine, all this has to happen very quickly. It's very stressful. It's like going to Home Depot. You always forget something. But if it all comes together, you end up with this kind of amazing system. And then people come by and listen. Some of the manufacturers are known to be very generous. They'll have beer, wine, sometimes even whiskey. Scotch seems to be a big hit at those shows. So people have a sip, and they talk, and they schmooze, and you get to learn a little bit more about the equipment. At some of the better shows, they will dedicate rooms to lectures, and you can hear some of the leaders in the industry talk about not only their products, but the larger issues involved in audio reproduction. And I find those things very exciting. Of course, I'm an educator, so listening to a good lecture is, I think, wired into my DNA. But to hear the person that created MQA talk about what MQA is and what it hopes to accomplish, that's pretty, I think for me anyway, it's pretty exciting. So the other thing that you see in these shows, and the LA Audio show had a wonderful example of it, was they had a whole ballroom of just personal systems, which meant headphones and in-your-ear monitors along with amplifiers for headphones and in-ear monitors that range from 99 bucks up to 10000 So that's really cool. You sit there, you put on some music, and you listen. I do recommend that if you go to one of these shows, bring your favorite music on an SD card or a micro SD card or a flash drive. With your own music, you can get a real sense of how your music that you know is going to sound. So, always good to have a reference. The most popular room at the show, which I think many people will find surprising, was a small console, not much bigger than a turntable, because it was a turntable. But under the turntable was a set of match speakers, an amplifier, digital input, remote control. So, this was basically an upgrade to the all-in-one record player you might have had as a kid, and which seems to be popular with the Crossley folks these days. Except the difference was, this sounded great. I mean, all of us were just floored by it. And they put on albums. I had them crank it up as loud as it would go with some rock and roll. You expect the turntable to shimmy a little bit. You expect the tone arm to bounce from the vibrations. But they had dampened it through mechanical means to such a degree. It sounded great. And um, it was about, I think, twelve to $1,400. It's called The, and a plus sign, Record Player. 
And um, and I have to say, everybody that went in that room just loved it. Now, part of it is, it's really simple. You stick it in a room, you put an album on, you listen to music. And that's kind of, at least for me, that's the goal of audio equipment. It's like using a camera. I don't want to have to think about the settings every time I pull out a digital camera. I just want to shoot, which is why so many photographers still pine for the days of film. Not that film was perfect, because it certainly wasn't, and certainly many of us have gone out and had whole shoots ruined, and we don't know until the film came back. But there's a simplicity to that, a mature technology, so you can concentrate on what you're really trying to do. And I think the record player was the same kind of vibe. You know, it was it sounded great. It was simple. You could put it in a dorm room. You could put it in a family room. You could put it in a listening room. Just a cool idea. We couldn't see the final version of the turntable because the entire shipment was held up in customs due to a paperwork error. So we saw a kind of final production model, but not the final production run. Still, it starts at $1,000, and they had a carbon edition at 1200 and then after January 1st, it's going to go from 1200 to 1400 They came in different finishes, had a wonderful project tone arm and turntable. So, very cool idea, very cool idea, reimagined. The first product I saw was on the ground floor, so it wasn't in a suite, it was just a tabletop, and it was right as you walked in the lobby and registered, and it was from Hook Audio. That's spelled H-O-O-K-E for Hook Audio. And it wasn't really an audio system to speak of. What it was was something that just looked like a set of standard sports earphones, you know, that you jog around the park with. But like many of the best things in life, looks can be deceiving. What the Hook system really is is a binaural recording system. It looks just like a pair of Bluetooth, you know, around your head, sports, you know, earphones. It was invented and created by a young man named Anthony Matana, and Anthony was great. He demoed it, and everybody who heard it came away with the same thoughts. This is amazing. So what is it exactly? Well, first of all, it's not very expensive. It's $240, and they call it a Bluetooth 3D audio microphone. And it also has a special 3D audio recording mobile app so that you can use your smartphone to capture audio and video content in binaural 3D audio. And, as befitting a mobile app-driven set of earphones, you can record with it on Android, iOS, a DSLR, GoPro, whatever you can plug it into. Or you can use it as regular just to listen to music, and it has hands-free calling. And it will play back the binaural recordings as well. And so the interesting thing is once you process the audio using the app, it's available on any system. And if anybody is familiar with the wonderful binaural recordings from Chesky Records, for example, those are engineered to sound best through headphones or earphones, but they sound marvelous through a good speaker system as well. They come with everything you would need. They have memory foam ear tips in different sizes. They have some silicon ear tips in different sizes. They have microphone windscreens, a little carrying case, 3D audio recording cable, USB charging cable, and a fun little 
paper cutout they call the gym head, which simulates putting them on, you know, someone's head. And by the way, in binaural recording, the standards for the industry are what you could imagine to be a wig head model. And then it looks like the human head. It has ear canals like the human head. And then inside those ear canals are high-quality microphones. So that's what most binaural recordings are done with. And as you can imagine, with binaural recording, there isn't really a chance to do overdubs or do corrections. So you really have to get your instrument placement perfect. You have to get the room acoustics perfect. You really, you really got to get it right. And when you do, it sounds remarkably lifelike. And if you ever want to really put your headphones or earphones to the test, Chesky Records has the Dr. Chesky series of recordings to test your earphones and headphones. And they're really cool. They're the best things out there. So what's it like to make a recording with the hook system? Well, you just put them on, you launch the app, and you hit record. And what happens is if somebody walks around you or walks in back of you, you get that exact experience on playback. You absolutely feel like you're in a 3D environment. And if you're doing music recordings, it's wonderful. If you're doing home videos, it's wonderful. So one of the best things at the show had nothing to do with you know, stereo systems. It had to do with recording binaural high-quality audio for 200 and something bucks. I mean, it's just a really cool idea. So that's hook, H-O-O-K-E, audio.com. So give them a shout. Love for you guys to follow us on Instagram. It's at Beginner Audio File. If you have any suggestions for the show or any gear that you're using, or if you want to take pictures of your gear and tag us on Instagram, would love to share your gear with, uh, with everybody. I so apologize for the delay, and um, I expect to be home and cranking out shows a little more often, and I apologize. And love you guys. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Beginner Audiophile. For gear giveaways and answers to your questions, join our mailing list at beginneraudiophile.com. Tag pictures of your audio setup to at beginneraudiophile on Instagram. Until next time, keep experiencing great music.